0: Hi, I'm Joanne Murphy. Welcome to Try Talking Sport, the podium podcast for athletes, adventurers and endurance enthusiasts. Welcome to episode 11 of Try Talking Sport. In this episode, I'm joined by professional triathlete Laura Siddle, who was knee-deep in her Ironman Wales preparation when we caught up for a chat on the Thursday of race weekend in Tenby last month. Laura has an impressive sporting CV which includes multiple podiums at an age group level on the world stage before she decided to make the move into professional ranks while she was living in Australia. She is a three-time Ironman Australia champion after taking the title once again in May of this year. She was looking forward to another busy and successful season of racing before disaster struck when she came off her bike fracturing her collarbone. She has spent the summer recovering from the injury and getting back into training and racing. Her first race post injury was Ironman 70.3 Dunleary in August, where she finished in fifth position. She took on and tamed the dragon in Tenby after our interview, finishing in third place in Wales, and hopes to be back to tame the dragon again in the near future. Well, Laura Siddle, you are very welcome to the show. It is Thursday, race weekend, just before Wales. You are
1: ready to tame and face the dragon (laughs) in Tenby. I'm ready to fight some... I want to find some dragons. Yeah, I'm ready. I was thinking today, it was funny, I was driving back from the pool and I was like, I wonder what kind of dragon it's going to be in Wales. And I was like going all Harry Potter-esque going. So yeah, that might be coming up after the race
0: you know you pass by the freshwater area which was featured in harry potter movie apparently no doby the, yeah, the character apparently something <gasps> on happens the there. bike course yes you pass it by freshwater oh that is so exciting freshwater west beach you pass it on the
1: bike before you head out to angle oh that's pretty cool i am um, i'm not sure whether i'll be conscious of it during the race but yeah no that that's really cool but let's bring it back down to, to real life and to today because... Um, what, not dragons and no, fantasy. No, not dragons and fantasy. Well, that'll be on Sunday, but not today.
0: Um, so, Laura, thank you so much for joining me here today. It's late in the evening here on the Thursday before uh, Ironman Wales, and you are knee-deep in preparation for Ironman Wales. Before we talk about your race preparation, let's have a little back information on your history yep. as an athlete. So you were uh, an excellent age grouper.
1: Yeah. I mean, I started triathlon pretty late. Um, I was 29, I think, and so and started as a complete beginner. I'd played sports growing up as a kid, but sort of netball and athletics, so track, track running, um, but didn't start triathlon or didn't really become aware of triathlon until I moved to Australia with uh, my corporate job at the time. And Australians love triathlon and it was sort of friends from work that suggested I should give it a go. They knew I was sporty and I I'd done some running over there, but sort of wasn't really finding a group that I gelled with, and um, there was a charity bike ride with work and so friends were doing it and they said oh, I should come along and, and join, so I think I bought a bike the week before, and it was a uh, not knowing much about cycling or anything, a hybrid road bike, so flat bar on the top, I just had sort of flat pedals. And jumped in on that and it was a it was a 90k bike ride um, down the coast in Australia. And then we got the train back and I just I just really loved it. I just enjoyed it. I definitely well, I definitely didn't win it. And that wasn't wasn't the um, the result. It was just a, you know, a charity uh, Fondo kind of thing. And after that, yeah, friends from work suggested I should give triathlon a go. And so found went on good old Google and found a local group in Sydney, which was where I was living at the time. Signed up for a beginners course and yeah, six did a six week sort of beginners course and that ended with a little sprint try local try race. Again, I did it. You know, I think I had the fastest T two transition because I still had my trainers on the bike and I was still riding this Handy. hybrid hybrid bike during the race and. Yeah, and and I guess you know, as they say, that that's kind of history, and it just grew from there. And were
0: you a swimmer to start with, no. coming into the sport? Because
1: genu- generally
0: at that age group,
1: yeah, you know, you're not a swimmer. No, no I think I was the generation probably before. Um, and funnily enough, I had a funny experience at the leisure leisure centre here in Tembe where I forgot how awesome swimming in the UK is with the r- crazy archaic rules and regulations of. You're only allowed an hour a day, and because the rest of the time it's unlaned or it's kids, which is fine. You know, I don't nothing against schools being in, and you're not allowed to use any equipment because if you've got a snorkel on or you've got paddles on, then God forbid, I'm not sure what's going to happen. But anyway, um, you got your swim done. I did get my swim done. Um, So no, I wasn't a swimmer. I, I mean, I I was lucky. My parents taught us or threw us into swimming lessons when we were growing up as kids, and you know, as we could walk, we had lessons and could swim and I guess I did swim at school and I when I we didn't have a pool at school I swam in competitions for the school team because I was one of the sporty kids so you get chucked into every team imaginable um I got our school team disqualified twice in the relay for an illegal butterfly stroke because again I I was sporty I could could swim and so I got always got pushed to doing butterfly no I'd never been coached never had never did squad swimming never done anything like that no idea still to this day what I was doing that got disqualified but it was twice so I should have probably learned that for the first time so yeah no definitely not a swimmer um and it's probably I, I think that's just the generation back then I mean it's funny that the Brits don't have a great reputation for swimming they um see us all as breaststrokers and yet you know, I feel like I was probably the generation before all the great triathletes coming through now from the UK who are all amazing swimmers. Well, I think
0: there's been a big push. I know in Ireland through the junior triathlon programs and getting the kids in the talent ID programs. I don't know if that's the same in the UK where those kids that are great swimmers, but don't want to continue swimming, but might do triathlon. There's a, there's a nice little bit of crossover where you can kind of keep the kid in sport while they're in their school years. Um, if you do triathlon, rather than the hardcore
1: swimming, I think that's definitely what we're seeing now with the triathletes coming through. They've come through those talent ID mm. programs where they've been identified as swimmers or runners, yeah. and then they can be taught the bike riding bit, mm. especially for the you know the ITU the Olympic distance. Mm. Um, but obviously, yeah, coming into the sport so late and almost by then age default being in the longer longer of the endurance side, yeah, the swimming unfortunately was missing on that that bit a little bit
0: so at what point did you decide then that you wanted to give this sport a go because that's your first race we've just spoken about so then you yeah. were an extremely um successful age group athlete I think the only age group distance you didn't win was Ironman distance as yeah, an age grouper, then, yeah because you was turned professional
1: yeah so I mean that was over I was an age grouper for four or five years and I mean it certainly wasn't you know in in that first race that i did i definitely wasn't winning and i can't even remember where i finished i was i think i'd be probably lucky that it was top 10 in my age group and that was at a little local race in in sydney um but i guess i'm a slow burner so over the four or five years as being an age grouper i am, and, and because it was kind of exciting it was a new sport so you get that rapid progression and that was kind of like what kind of motivated me and gave me more hunger as you could see your improvement so quickly and yeah I mean I was lucky to win um four age group world titles so I'll get this right one one sprint two Olympic and then a 70.3 distance and funny to qualify it was 2013 when I um won the Ironman 70.3 world champs, won my age group at an overall female, and the qualifying race to get... Sorry,
0: you won overall female at the 70.3 world championships as an age group? As an age group, uh,
1: obviously, like, not with the pros, but yeah, I was the fastest fastest age group female in Vegas, that was, and then the week later, it was London, Mm. ITU World, so came back to the Olympic distance, um, and won that race, which was fantastic. And, but the qualifier that I'd done to get to Vegas was, um, 70.3 Honu in Hawaii. Yeah. And it was actually had slots for Kona as well as the 70.3 Worlds. And I actually turned down the Kona slot there. Did you know what it was at the time? Um, yes, but no, yes, but probably didn't realise quite how big it was. But at that point I felt I just wasn't. ready Ready to do a full apt Kona and the focus had been, you know, I'd only really just stepped up to Mm. racing halves again from sort of, um, yeah, the sprints and the Olympics. So that's why I sort of focused on, I turned that spot down, The girl who was second was over the moon and crying. Obviously, (laughs) no, I don't actually. Um, I don't. It was the right decision with me then going into the Vegas World Champs and London, which is one I really wanted to be in to do well in London at the Olympic distance. Um, You guys got
0: the full swim for the Olympic distance.
1: No, we didn't. We had a short swim as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right. It was. it was warmer, but it was warmer in the water than it was out of the water. That's true, I remember. Yeah, that day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't regret turning that Kona slot down at that point. Um, I think it just would have been too much and I don't think I'd have been ready and got, you know, the, the full distance is such a different beast mm. um, and there's so much more to learn. And, yeah, I, I had done one um, full Ironman as a very beginner in the very first year and that was literally just, I thought I was only in Australia for two years, so I kind of thought this is the best chance to do it. Let's tick that box. Um, but had then gone back to sprints and Olympics and was much. And also, I felt if I wanted to go to Kona, I wanted to qualify from a full, okay, and not from a half. And I think that was probably something that didn't quite. I was like it doesn't feel right qualifying from a half. Um, so yeah, so that that was that story.
0: So you're a three-time Ironman Australia champion. Yes. This year was your third, third. consecutive yeah. Yeah. win at Ironman Australia. Um, at what point did you decide to go back to the full distance Ironman racing after uh,
1: 2013? Yeah, so at the after I'd done the Vegas Champs and London, I guess I then got to that point where loads of people have been saying oh, you should turn professional and all this. But, you know, and again, we we'll go back to age and a, a generation thing for me growing up. As much as I loved sport, it was still only ever seen as a hobby. Mm. You know, you were very much pushed. And when I say pushed, um, I'm not going to say by family because they've been incredibly supportive. But the, I guess schools, society, education, very much The pushed, expectation is. The expectation, you... You went to school, you did your A levels, you went to university, you got your degree, you went into the corporate world, and you start, and that was your path. And yeah, it was great that you did sport because it made you really rounded, and it made your CV look really good for jobs and for university. But it was the hobby, and it wasn't seen as something you'd do professionally. Um, I think Australia probably opened my eyes up a little bit because sport at that point, and you know, obviously we're talking uh, ten years ago now, um, they viewed sport very differently. I do think it's different in the UK now, and I think that's fantastic. I think the likes of London 2012 has done amazing things. Um, So, yeah, so it was only, I think, being in Australia and people were saying you should turn professional, and I was probably at a crossroads with my corporate career um, of going... It's kind of going to be a now or never. I'm not getting any younger. Um, I wasn't particularly enjoying my corporate job at the time. So just to tell us, what were you doing? Were you doing. Um, I, well, I, my university degree was engineering, mechanical engineering. Um, I spent a gap year in the army, British army, between school and university. And then went into working for Shell in the UK, in Chester. And it was through Shell that I got a transfer for two years out to Australia. Okay. Um, at the end of those two years, they said, "Right, we'll have to send you back to the UK." And I was like, "Well, I'm quite enjoying Australia. Thanks very much. I'll stay here." So then, did a vet, worked for a couple of other companies doing, um I guess, business process improvement and project management and that sort of thing.
0: Very far removed from triathlon, yeah. but very close for the numbers and the crunching the spreadsheets and the spreadsheets <laughs> and the power and the
1: that. <laughs> Don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one of those. It was. um yeah it was a now or never never decision sort of i I felt yeah because I was older um you know i now I was thirty three thirty four um if I hadn't have done it, then I'd probably still be sitting in that corporate world at a desk the thing now I wouldn't have had the guts to do it any later um and it was one of those, yeah, I didn't want to look back five ten years time and think, what if and I never gave that a chance I think you know in as a as a kid growing up I'd played a lot of netball and athletics and I'd got to kind of national standard in those um but I'd again like I said because it was a hobby I'd never probably fully given it committed or given it that next step because I just didn't think it was an opportunity and I think then with the triathlon I was like okay you've not done that in the past let's let's not let's make the most of this now and and make that step yeah, because
0: from, from listening to you, it sounds like you were you were an untapped talent as a kid. Like, you're the sporty kid, but maybe yeah. somebody didn't see it at the time that yeah, you had an I, opportunity. That, like, you know, it's it's in your genes, probably, yeah. that you are, you know, an exceptional athlete. And,
1: and I think I, again, look, I don't have very few, if any, regrets in life I do wish... I'd found the sport of triathlon sooner Mm. just because it's such an amazing life and there's so many races that I still want to do and I'm rapidly running out of time just because from an age perspective and I so I do kind of feel if I'd been open to that sport a few years earlier it would have it would have been great um and then the other probably and again it's not really a regret but again from an age perspective I was probably just ahead of all the talent id programs that came into the uk for any sport and often i feel that yeah maybe if i'd been able to go through as a younger age go through a talent id program and someone could have gone actually yeah you've got amazing physiology in this or that or you, we can see potential here or there and this is the sport for you and that would i would have been open to any sport because mm. that's just what I love, um. So that, yeah, you know, if I, probably a few years younger, and I might have been in that system, but you know, I again, I don't have regrets for how things have turned out.
0: So when we come back to May twenty nineteen was uh, Australia. Yes. And then July was it, or was it the end of May? The end of May. <laughs> you hit the tarmac. I did. Your yeah. bike survived, but your shoulder didn't. Your yeah. Bone
1: didn't. No, that's right. Yeah. So I'd um. So I spend, I now split my time six months in New Zealand or in the Southern Hemisphere and six months in Europe, in Spain, in the Northern Hemisphere, basically going from summer to summer. And I just wrapped up my Southern Hemisphere six months. I'd come off the back of um, my third win at Ironman Australia. Um, Incredibly emotional win and almost as as good as that first win there. Um well it was spe- australia special because it was my first pro win but also it's where i started the sport and so there was an incredible number of friends there who'd seen me as a beginner uh, my very first coach came up to watch and you know just the the triathlon club community over there is is really strong and i'd come second in so many races that then to finally get that win and it's the fir- my first pro iron ironman win um Come back, coming back and defend is always special. And um, I'd got the number one bib the second year, and it's great actually. When I registered today for Wales, I see it's great that they've given Lucy the number one bib. I think that's really, really good of of Ironman Wales, and um, and that's still good. And you, you 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 never take for granted a win. But this year, I think I'd been in good form, but I really hadn't delivered in races at the beginning of the year, and I'd had some real disappointing results. Um, where I just couldn't get the performance out on race day. So confidence was at a real low and few other bits and bobs that weren't going particularly well. And I'm saying this, it's all relative. You know, it's all relative in our lot triathlon world. And um, I really just wanted to be competitive on the day um, and and to put up a good fight and race against the other women that were racing. Um, and in the end, then, sort of, um, it came down to a pretty good battle on on the marathon where I was running side side by side with Caroline Steffen who is just an incredibly um, incredibly talented incredibly talented, amazing athlete has done so much for the sport and I have a lot of respect for her as who she is how she races and so to sort of be running toe to toe and stuff was pretty incredible and then and then went on to, to, to win and I just hadn't really thought I would have won this year and so with the first few months of the year, it was just, yeah, it was just a incredibly special and emotional. I'm pretty emotional when I finish anyway, and for uh, races.
0: So, um, I be expecting tears? Yeah, on Sunday? <laughs> I
1: think so. Um, but, so, come, yeah. back,
0: come back, rewind there a little okay, bit because yeah.
1: you talk about, um,
0: you know, about being disappointed with your performances up to that point. Yeah. Yet, were you backing yourself going into that race when no. you saw Caroline Stefan and a few others at it? No, and you that's why I wasn't
1: backing because I just. Um, I hadn't been able to transfer training into the, into a race. And so was always coming away with a pretty feeling, pretty disappointed about my race performances. And a few other things going on was just leaving me pretty low on confidence deflated. and deflated. Yeah. So like so that week, it was kind of a, a bit of a mental battle to get myself into the right place on that start line. And, and you know, and it, and it I, I think I, I actually came into the race really calm. I, I whatever processes i used and i you know accepted that i was a you know i get to do this it's my choice and i'm getting this opportunity to race with all these people and getting to be back here it's a great another great community of a race i think it's again one of those communities that really supports um an ironman race and yeah and it was just kind of well let's see what happens on race day and just hope for a, to put up a good fight and a performance and <laughs> and that was my expectation and so I think that's why it was kind of then suddenly to to, to take the win and to take the win how I did sort of made it as good as that first first one.
0: And do you think will you go back to defend the title next
1: year? <laughs> yeah, I, at the moment I can't even work out what I'm doing like next week. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I haven't ruled it out, but I, I'm not sure anything will top it. It was such an amazing moment, and having done it for three years, finish it on a high. To finish it on a high, um, I'm not sure if anything will come better than that. Um, and but then you know you get people saying well it could be even better sort of thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm undecided. I'd love to go back and support the event anyway because it is fantastic, and the team there have been great. Um, whether I'm racing. I, I go through mixed of going, no, it was great. I think finish it on the high and have those great memories. And then two, it'd be like, but if you get your mindset right of just going back and enjoying it again and just seeing what and happens. being grateful for the being opportunity again for the opportunity, then, you know, maybe. And yeah. again, like I said, so many friends are up there and mm. it's a good community.
0: So we kind of wandered a little bit we there. Did, so, yeah. so we'll so bring it back to injury <laughs> yeah. because, you know, you've, I'm just trying to get us to delir. As you find, Delaney. I like, yeah, I like find weave off on yeah. different paths. I so you talking. were injured, collarbone... So,
1: so I just relocated from the Southern Hemisphere into Spain and had a few, we- few days off and parents had been out there and it was all good. It was my first training ride back. I was six weeks out from Roth, which is another big favourite race of mine. And I was on the top of my first, first ride, first day back of training out on the coast in Girona and yeah, just um, came off the bike. Um, yeah, decided that the collarbone was gonna—that's <laughs> where I was gonna land on the collarbone—and um, yes, yeah, so I broke the, broke my collarbone. That was the end of May.
0: So you were back on the bike though fairly quickly. I mean, you had surgery, and but you were back training yeah. quite quickly
1: afterwards. Yeah, I, I was lucky. It was a great. There's obviously a great community in Girona, and um, I had surgery or had it plated about three days later through the various cycling connections and the surgeons who deal with cyclists <laughs> all the time. So I was really lucky from that point of view, and, um, I mean, actually, I took, uh, we took out, we took out the decision to race Roth because it was six weeks away. Could I have got back, prob- possibly if I'd have real done a rush job? But you know, Touchwood, I've never, and I don't want to again. I've never, I've never broken a bone before. I've never been injured in my life. I've been very lucky from that point of view. So I didn't know how I was going to recover, and I didn't know real the process. So we didn't want to rush things, mm. um. I mean, I actually took the first 10 days, two weeks pretty, pretty easy because I had other commitments that I was doing um, with some commentating and then some trips back to the UK, which if I'd have been fully fit, I could have managed within training because you can run and they can take my bike. But because I suddenly had a broken collarbone, it was just like it was too hard to try and be doing everything recovery training, mm-hmm. rehab training with those commitments. So we kind of took those first two weeks pretty steady. Uh, but then got back into things as as quickly as I could. More for sanity, mm. more than anything else. Yeah. But again, it was a very slow easing back into it. Like, there was no real intensity. I, I mean, I actually wanted to start running outside and stuff pretty straight, pretty soon. And the surgeon was happy for me to do that. He just said, you know, go on pain. If it hurts, stop. Don't Don't be the hero. Don't push through the pain. Would you not have been
0: afraid of falling, though?
1: So I was, yeah. But, I mean... It was actually my coach and my physio who pulled me back from running outside a bit more and put me back on the treadmill and on elliptical trainers. That that was more from the the impact. I mean, I I didn't get any pain once it had been plated. There was very little pain that I was feeling. Um, So from that point of view, that was my gauge. That was my judgment. And I'm not just... I do have a high pain threshold, but I'm not just saying that. I'm also very risk-averse and paranoid. So any slightest bit of doubt of... niggle. Uh, is this bone going to knit sort of thing I was being careful of. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. You were back training, out.
0: back running, and you were on the elliptical trainer.
1: What you were saying about being outside. I'm afraid of falling. Oh yeah, falling, that's it, sorry. You'll have to cut that bit out. Um, but yeah, there was a definite, I was running outside, and I was very much more conscious. Even walking down the street, I was suddenly a lot more conscious of, well, if I slip, am I just going to snap? Mm. It was a real weird, you know, where it wouldn't even have crossed my mind before.
0: A vulnerability, I suppose, a vulnerability that, that kind of...
1: actually you do break. Because, mm. you know, like I said, I'd never broken a bone before. Um, I've never had any issues with bones. I'm touching wood now. Um, You've a little spot
0: on that table. we worn it away. <laughs> touching
1: wood, you know, stress fractures, all of that. So, but now there was suddenly this. Well, actually, you do fall and break, and so. Yeah, like I said, walking around town, I was like, "Oh, if I slip, am I gonna break? Am I gonna snap?" And then so running, there was a bit of that. um Like, what if I, yeah, trip over my feet? Am I gonna break? And it, so it's taken a bit of work with the physio. We as the bone was getting better and healing, like we went out to the beach and we were doing handstands and stuff and cartwheels, and she was pushing me over onto the sand, showing that I can fall uh, it, it was as this... much
0: psychological yeah as phys- yeah yeah Physi- this, uh, obviously this
1: wasn't immediately this yeah. was a few <laughs> weeks down the line once the bone had properly healed um but yeah doing all that sort of thing as well
0: and what about getting back on the bike then was your confidence completely knocked or had it kind of come back a little bit that you were confident about getting out on the bike again
1: yeah so you know I hopped on obviously the indoor trainer to start mm. with which caused much hilarity in the triathlon world because everyone knows me for hating the indoor trainer and you know, I go from summer to summer so I can ride outside and I like riding my bike outside. And that's one of the reasons I do the sport. And I always, I see the benefit of the indoor trainer for sure. And it's got its huge value and purposes for, for different reasons, but everyone thought it quite amusing that now there was, there was Sid on the indoor trainer. Um, and again, so I was doing sessions on that. And again, I probably, the surgeon gave me the all clear to ride outside I can't remember how, relatively early on, Okay. Um, and he just said, you know, it's a, but, but if you're confident to ride outside, do that, and I probably waited another week until I actually went to Roth, so he probably gave me all clear about four and a half weeks post-surgery, and I waited another week, because I was in Girona, before I went to Roth, where I, again, I mean, I know the roads in Girona, but I knew the roads in Roth, mm-hmm. there was very little traffic to get to a little a town or anything, and I knew the roads were smooth, and so I waited till then, okay. to then ride outside yeah it was great I loved it <laughs> but again yeah there is that there was that sort of just don't fall apprehension position. yeah don't fall because it's still it's you know it's six the bone takes six to eight weeks mm-hmm. to heal so effectively it's still um yeah, so it's still we move really.
0: then that's July so then yeah. we go to August which was yeah. Dunleary this year your first yeah. race back yes um blowing out the cobwebs definitely and finishing in fifth position yes Yeah. you were happy
1: <laughs> um so the the objectives before the race were yes to blow out the cobwebs, see where we're at. And so if I take those two as the objectives, then we tick the boxes and so you kind of got to be happy. Um was I happy with the race and the performance? Not personally. I guess it just highlighted how long it'll take me to come back. And you know, I think like I said I'm a bit of a slow burner, so I I don't have and this isn't meant to come out the wrong way, but I don't have bags of natural talent and ability. I'm sporty in a big general thing, but I'm not maybe some, um, as you'll see some of the athletes who can spring back or just got, you know, you can see them got oodles of talent, but I will, it takes me that those years to build up and plug away and train and that sort of thing. So um, but you've got to have form already built up. I mean, you're a three-time yeah. Ironman so there champion. is you that. I no, you don't have that. natural
0: <laughs> talent. I mean, you do, and you have your. them you have the memory and the body. Of so that's the what racing I'm hoping. But
1: it, yeah, it, I'm hoping it it will remember a little bit quicker than it has done to Ireland. Yeah, Ireland was a bit of a shock. Um, but Ireland isn't an easy course. No, it isn't, and that was another reason. I mean, it's a course that I, I loved. It. it was a brilliant race um, and a brilliant community again. Um, it was just a little bit of a like, yeah, okay. I guess it was one of those, we know where we're at, it's not where I want to be, but that shows, you know, that's that motivation to keep going back and keep training and you know that you're going to make those improvements and and get it out.
0: So has your, your bit? so obviously Ironman Deliri, 71.3 Deliri was a warm-up almost for Wales. Yeah. So has your planned training for Wales changed because of your performance in Deliri? Did it highlight weaknesses for you that you needed to work on coming into Wales? For yourself
1: um yes and no i mean yes it's definitely highlighted things but have we changed training no not hugely we've kind of kept on the track and i think it was just that it'll just take me a few, bit longer to get back up to those yeah. speeds and powers again um or again to have that confidence again that it's there um so but i'm i guess it's you know, with any race and with any start line you line up to, it's an opportunity to learn and to take that experience, and then you sort of put that in the back of your mind and pull it out when you need to. And and so those Dunleary was another opportunity for that leading into into. Did you Wales. put
0: yourself under too much pressure to perform better or well in Dunleary, coming back from injury? Were your expectations um, that you put on yourself that led to being a little bit deflated yeah. maybe after? I don't think.
1: My expectations were, but you still have those yeah. hopes that you would be mm-hmm. a little bit more... Further on. Further on and competitive and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the... And, and and also, I am, like, my own... Like, probably most athletes and professionals or whatever, we're super critical mm. and and stuff like that. And we tear ourselves to bits afterwards.
0: And in general, do you train on your own or do you train with anybody Yes, and so I know your coach is Matt Dixon, Yeah. and um, but in terms of like your sessions,
1: yeah, I'm mostly solo, um, not particularly by choice of training solo, more by um, choice of circumstances. Sort of being so nomadic and travelling around, and um, and then it's always hard to find people when you know you've all got different coaches mm-hmm. and trying to line up those sessions. And can you do those? key sessions and that sort of thing so yeah I tend to do most of the training on my own which isn't necessarily ideal I think especially where I am now I think you know you can do that at certain points and I think it's good to do some sessions on your own um but I think also you do get a huge benefit from being in not necessarily in a group but being with a couple other people who and people can who are potentially and, better
0: than yes, you yeah. yeah for sure yeah. So yeah. where does Laura Siddle's uh, support network come from? Because she's in yeah, yeah. the Southern Hemisphere for six months. She's yeah. in Spain. The family are in England because you were yeah. born in the UK. Yeah, that's right. Even though there's a little twang <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: yeah accent comes out every so often. Yeah, my. My family, they're coming out this weekend, they'll be very amused at um, taking the piss out of my accent as they normally do. <laughs> yeah, not... Will they be able to hear you over the cowbell Yeah, that they're sitting behind us I you? know, that's it. They're going to love me for that. I just went out and bought four cowbells for my nieces and nephew for race day, so they'll love it. Um, yeah, I've not lived in the UK for 11 years, so across between Australia, New Zealand and America, I guess, um, the accent's been changed a little bit. But um, where's my support network? So... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it's great. I, I am nomadic. Again, people know me for that. But what this sport has also given me is a huge number of friends throughout the world in different places all over. And, you know, through so- social media, as much as we hate it at the same time, we love it. It's great to keep in contact with those people. And you always know, you know, it's that six degrees while well, in triathlon, it feels like two degrees mm-hmm. of separation. There's always someone who knows someone in, in some small place that's going to help you out. So obviously, I've got my closer network of friends, or sort of my—I don't know what you want to call it—in a circle, or or whatever tribe, it is, I tribe, whatever. My goodness, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a couple of those are in Sydney, obviously, which is where I lived for seven years. Um, good few of them in New Zealand, and then now sort of creating that network in Spain. So, and obviously those few that float in from other places around the world. So that's kind of. My, yeah my my network is those friends um because they're the constant ones and obviously family um as much as they're in the UK but they're huge huge support and and it's one of the reasons I now like spending half the year in in Europe is that I get to reconnect do you come home very more. often
0: do you come home to the UK very often
1: well, now being in Europe, it's a lot easier. It's just from Girona, it's a real mm. quick flight, into, Bir- flight. Yeah, into Birmingham. Whereas obviously when I was in Australia full time and then when I'm in New Zealand, it's obviously a little bit more um, tricky. But I think um, being in Europe's helped to reconnect with or have more time with the family. And so I try and make the effort, like I'll come home, Hopefully I'll be home for Christmas this year and then next year I'll be, you know, and alternate that sort of thing just to... Because I've got nieces and nephews and they're all growing up so quickly and you kind of don't want to miss out on Are any either. of
0: those uh, sporty?
1: Two of them a bit too... What, what have we got? Oh gosh, I'm going to get crucified now. Ten, ten, eight, four and two. Um, so the four and two-year-old are probably a little bit young to know what they might be, uh, if they're going to be sporty. Uh, Maisie and Jack, though, um, they, I think they do, as kids do, they do their soccer, they do tennis, they do swimming. I think Maisie does, Dance and gymnastics, Jack likes his iPad and that sort of thing. <laughs> They've got a very my sister was very sporty when she was younger before she had sort of kids and family, so I'm sure that and their dad as well plays tennis, so at a social level or, so very sporty yeah. altogether. Yeah.
0: Um let's move forward to Sunday. Now obviously this episode has been recorded in Wales in September and this episode is it won't be live until October. Um do you know what you're in for in Wales? <laughs> This is one of the most <laughs> iconic you know, Ironman races in the world.
1: Do you know, it came onto my horizon last year when I was watching it. And um, and I just got really excited about watching it. And, it and, and because I haven't really raced in the UK at that point, I decided that it would be a big goal for this year to come back and race in the UK. Um, and I chose this race because of the hype that I saw. And then... So various things that have happened over the years and obviously then with the collarbone, it kind of got pushed to the side. And yes, I was doing it, but hadn't really thought about it. But, you know, good old Nikki Bartlett's been sort of effervescing about it, saying it's amazing, it's amazing. And I actually messaged her early today going, you know, because I say the same about Roth, okay, how amazing it is. But then you always worry that someone won't have that same experience because you think it's you're sort of so biased and caught up in how amazing it is. And I messaged Nikki today saying, along those lines, when you say to someone how great a race is, but you're never sure whether they'll have that same experience. And I got here Monday night, and I have been blown away. And it has been everything and more than people have said about this race. And I think I'll get goosebumps now I'm saying that. Like, just the locals and the community is incredible here. Um, Super lucky to bump, you know, just randomly bumping into you know I was riding on the bike course out in probably what felt like the end of the earth angle. angle and I you know stopped at a junction briefly or was just checking something and this woman you know totally just are you racing the Ironman I was like yeah she's like oh good luck we're cheering for you and it's it's things like that like you can see the community is really proud of the race and you know it's a tiny place but they're so proud to have it here and so, the route, and I was trying to tell them all, you know, the reputation this race has around the world is that it has some of the fanta- the, the best crowds and the support in the world. But I hadn't obviously experienced that. Mm. But then when you come here and you see that, and you're trying And I'm only on Thursday. And I'm only on Thursday, and it's not even, you know, you can just start to feel it hyping. But you kind of want to tell the locals that do they realise that's the reputation they have mm. outside the world and they make this race so special? And then just seeing, yeah, I mean, the swim and the bike course and that run and and yeah, it's just been living it's, up it's, to the It's not up to an everything. easy
0: course, but no. it is certainly one that's way up there as one of the best yeah. in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I mean, I'll wait to fully say that on Sunday. Everything I've experienced so far is certainly putting it right up there on my list of the best races in it's the world. Even,
0: it's even walking down the street in Tenby. <sighs> yeah. Like, everybody says hello to each yeah. other. The locals kind of... Sometimes they'll say hello, sometimes they won't, but, like, the athletes, and you can meet anybody. Like, yep. you could meet... You wouldn't know who he'd meet walking yeah. down the road. Um, but on Sunday morning, there's not many races <laughs> where you play another country's national anthem. I always get goosebumps when I play the Irish mm. national anthem yeah. at a race. But the natural amphitheatre that is North Beach and you're looking out over Gosca Rock and it's, the sun is beginning to rise over the back and hopefully there won't be any clouds. There'll be 20,000 people. Like, I'm getting goosebumps telling you what it is like. It is absolutely incredible from the first note of well, the national anthem. Everyone in
1: Wales can sing, can't they? They're all part they, of, they, like, yeah.
0: well, male but voice choirs I'm going to say, but oh, there are women as well. It is yeah. yeah, but it never yeah. falters. Yeah, It's the whole way through the day. Yeah. Like, from from the minute the bikes are coming back into to T2, mm. there's not an inch. Yeah, And then the finish line is filled, and it's just, as an announcer, I mean, it's incredible, so I can't imagine... What it's like it's, actually racing it. Yeah,
1: and and it's funny because like the the bike course is one Well, it's two, loop, two, it's two loops. It's yeah. a, a little f- the first loop, not a little loop. First loop and then two laps. The bigger the one, yeah. big one. But still, I mean that's big kilometers we're talking yeah. for each of those loops. Yeah. And and if you thought Roth was good, Yes, yeah, So bird. this is what I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Is it
0: um, um, St Bride's Hill there at Saundersfoot? Yeah, at Saundersfoot, oh I've heard. God. So
1: that's and you can just see like the little towns you go through. I can go. Okay, I'm. I've got some kind of imagination of what's going to happen and for what people have said, but I think I will be blown away. And then, yeah, the fact that the run, apart from that freaking new hedges, Hill. two kilometers up <laughs> out of town, which why have they, you know, for four laps, thanks very much off the back of that bike course. But the rest of it is, I think you literally weave in and out of every street you possibly could in town. And they're so narrow and the shops in the, but you know, I was talking to stopped at a little corner shop out by the pool or whatever. And just, buying something today and the the guy and the guy that was serving and that was serving the lady in front of me and she was like oh you know are you ready for the weekend He was like yep I've got the day off on Sunday so I can get out there and watch the race watch the athletes cheer them all on I'll be sitting getting having my beer and my pint and I'll be on the roads in the town and I was just like just amazing. So every come out. athlete,
0: I think, is made to feel like a superhero yeah. by the people of Tenby. Yeah. I think that's how much they embrace yeah. it. It, is, it. It's incredible. Um, but bring me back to your race now, <laughs> because uh, I'm sitting in Laura's room here, and uh, she's in a lovely apartment. And you would swear I've just walked into her own apartment at home. <laughs> so she has some fantastic pictures. She has some notes
1: on the wall. She has a flag. Um, home away from home, Laura uh yeah a little bit I kind of bring there's certain things um it's I I wouldn't call it superstition as such ritual ritual I think probably is a thing a ritual and traditions like the you know the photos are of family and friends and some of my races um and then post-it notes are kind of again more ritual of putting them up and uh, how much I read them I'm not sure but um there is what do you
0: think of them when you're racing do you think of what you've up on some the wall here
1: uh, a little bit yeah a little bit some of the words and and the, the pr- it's more the process I go through when I'm I'm writing them or all the things and and the images and things like that it's it's just call it what you like you know I also on race day you'll be able to see I I write on my water bottles and you know the white ones they'll get obviously the listeners can't see it they'll get they'll have words written all over them the aero bottle does I have stuff on my wrists and whether I read it or not on race day, it depends and it varies, but it's the process of the days leading into the race that I go through.
0: And it must be still in your subconscious that you've written this stuff, so when you're actually writing it, it's probably more it's, powerful yeah, than when you're thinking it. about you yeah. know, the actual words on yeah. the day, if you even see them. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, talk to me about your nutrition, because we were, <laughs> I'm just going to describe Laura's uh, apartment. So you walk into the room, it's part of a big apartment block here, um, an old hotel, I think, converted into apartments, and you've got like a little... A bed and a couch and a little kitchenette and, you know, you've got drawers and, and a little table over here. And we're sitting in the middle of the room beside a lovely little coffee table. And in front of me, um, Laura has three, four, five, six small um, water bottles that you would put on a race belt. And she has them filled with gels.
1: Yeah, four gels in each.
0: So if, if I was any good at maths, I'd be able to tell you four by six, 24. 24
1: gels? Uh, yeah, I think so. For the run course alone. No, four for the bike, two for the run. And where do you put those on the bike? Uh, two of the flats go in my back pockets, and two go in a bento box on the, on the bike.
0: Okay, so talk me through the rest of your nutrition though, because you hardly just have all I just gels. Have gels, Um so you, all gels. You don't. So, what do you eat in the morning? Before oh, like, would so you have
1: porridge? Yeah, yeah. So in the morning for breakfast, I'll have like um, yeah overnight oats, some fruit, banana, honey some nuts, and a, probably a boiled egg on that. Um, I'll have... and what, So the race starts at 6.55 on, yep, yep. on so Sunday morning. I haven't so done my timings list yet. You haven't done your you're an yet. engineer. Yeah, I, I have my... Species. Again, this is the same as writing notes. I have my timings for race day from like getting up, going for a run, shower, hair, plaiting my hair. Sorry, you know, did you just like say that. go for a run? Yeah. So as soon as I get up in the morning, I go for a 5-10 like, minute run. So that's probably at 2 o'clock in the morning. Probably here. something like that, yeah. I'm normally about 3-4 to four hours before the race starts that I'm getting up. And then I'll come back, shower, plait my hair, breakfast, stretch, do all that sort of stuff. Um, but I have all that list. I haven't quite without. that. So yeah, I'm having oats, fruit, banana, uh, boiled egg and stuff, yogurt, milk, whatever, for breakfast and a coffee. And then I will... Um, I'll take a bar, like
0: a protein bar or, something. A, or an
1: energy bar or whatever, down to maybe nibble on over like the next hour. It depends how my stomach's feeling as to how much I eat or what I eat, um, and then I'll have a gel fifteen minutes before the start of the race, and then I'm on gels for the rest of the day. Uh, yeah, okay. So I have, I did it in Australia and I did for this race and I'm thinking about, I will try and probably do it as I run up from the beach to that, on that nice 1.6... One, one six kilometre. Kilometer. It's and not point point, 1.6 oh, right, now, one, that's a mile. It's okay. a okay. one kilometre. kilometre run to transition. I'll probably, um, yeah, have some, have a protein bar or a protein ball or something I can, so have, that'll be a solid... Just don't forget to bring your pink bag from the zigzags. I've, it's there, it's there. Oh yeah, I've got to, oh that's right, I've got to carry it up, that's true. Um, and then I'll maybe have I'll carry another little protein bite. I'm actually going to try some like um, beef jerkin or biltong kind of thing because that's high in protein and it might be a bit different taste to... Is that something new on race day, Laura? Potentially, so I'm not sure whether (laughs) I'll try that or not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) With the protein ball. But um, yeah, but other than that, I just... I'm normally on gels all day. So on the bike, I take a gel every 20 minutes. Um, And then... On the run, it depends again a bit how you feel. It's more not necessarily every 20 minutes, it's more like a smaller sip every 10 minutes. I and say.
0: will you take the race nutrition that's out on the course, the end of it that's there? You won't take any of the. No, the I probably shouldn't say the that for or... the. Um,
1: for the uh, unless I lose stuff. Yeah. I mean, I do have quite a lot of, again, touch wood, that nice bit of wooden. I've got quite a lot of backups of mm. gels and stuff in different places. Um, I will take water from the course and top up with my electrolyte tablets. And do you get hungry on the course? Not at all? No, because I'm, yeah, 20 minutes having gels and stuff like that. I mean, if I... Yeah, I mean, that's generally what I do. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. And what's your
0: pre-race feeling like? So today is Thursday, so Friday, Saturday...
1: Yeah, so nothing overly different to what I do on a day-to-day basis. So, um, Are you strict with your diet? Um, I don't know. All triathletes, anal and stuff like that. Mm. I, I, I eat anything and everything. I don't have anything that I don't eat. Um, But I'll, you know, like I said this morning, I had two boiled eggs before I went for a run, came back with some toast and almond butter, Um, and then went for a swim and then came back a bit later and lunch was, again, sort of an omelette tuna, avocado, that kind of thing. And I'll have like a big salad tonight. I don't see chicken. any
0: chocolate or processed food or anything in that. But hang on, you'll have... So, so, so you won't pre- sleep for four days after the race with all those pre- days? race So it's okay. Saturday night. Okay. And I'm just going to get up she's to show up. this. Now, I thought she was putting on the kettle to make the tea, but she's gone up to get... Dairy milk. Buttons. Chocolate. Well, these are... Giant buttons.
1: That's what I love. 119 gram bags. So it's probably like four bags. So I love dairy milk chocolate buttons and I always stock up at them on the airport when I Can I tell overseas. you how much sugar no, is in I that don't bag? Need, okay. No problem. <laughs> I'm not saying I'll necessarily have that, but the night, on Saturday night, I'll have some chocolate. Because that's just, yeah. again, another ritual yeah. that I do. Yeah. So there is chocolate around the place. And... <laughs> <laughs> actually if you hadn't seen which you won't see um when you went down to the expo today there was a lovely lady selling flapjacks yes (laughs) so i bought and it's and i bought i was gonna i was gonna buy two and this was all like this is for after the race and she's like but it's three for 10 pounds i was like well i might as well get three so they're in the fridge and then i also got carried away because this is what i like about local communities i also got carried away because i saw the fudge shop so i bought some fudge again so that's for after the race and that's hidden away.
0: So you probably won't sleep for like five days. After I don't know. So
1: it's really funny because people warn like first timers and stuff that you know you don't sleep before the, the night before the race. But don't worry, there's nothing you can do about it. Stay calm. Just try and still shut your eyes and don't panic. It's just going to happen. What everyone forgets to tell you is you don't actually sleep the night off, of, of the race after the race either because you've got so much sugar and caffeine in you and your body's just going, what the hell did you just do? But yeah, the amount of sugar I have and then I guess there's caffeine in there as well those gels yeah I tend to not sleep for about three days <laughs> but also like the night after the race I always go back to the finish line regardless and so you're always there for those last couple of hours watching watching the heroes coming because mm. they're the ones that are the legends yeah. they've oh, been yeah. out there for the 17 hours so and, and you just have and I think it's going to be a no-brainer at this race, seeing what the atmosphere is like in the days leading up to it. If I'm not there for the last couple of hours, I'll kick myself. Well, I'll
0: be asked, wondering where you are. Right? Exactly, that's yeah, right. I'll unless I'm in medical, well, you I know, let's
1: hope not, but hopefully I'll be out. Touch yeah, that table again. Touch table again. But yeah, I mean, so by the time you sort of the finish line wraps up anyway, you come back and then you're buzzing anyway, and then I normally get up and do something stupid, like go for a ride the next day. So you normally get about two hours sleep on the night after the race. Do you get nervous? hell yeah yeah still yeah but that uh, <laughs> the the right answer is nerves are a good thing and it shows your body is getting ready to race and you're getting prepared for battle um and that's the mindset you should have but yeah of course you still get yeah still get nervous because it means something to you because it's it's what you've it's a goal whether you're professional or amateur it's what you've been training for it you want to do well, um, you just want to, you know, all my family are going to be here, You want to make them proud kind of thing. And I know they probably don't really care where you come, but still, you you have that. And yeah, it just, it means something t- to you. And that's, I think, why you get... And you it get means nervous. something it to them as well. Though. Yeah, yeah, it matters. And that's why I think, you know, you get nervous because it does matter.
0: Do you feel under pressure for Sunday?
1: Do I feel under pressure?
0: Um, or do you feel grateful? Our bit of boat.
1: at the moment i'm feeling very grateful for being here and remembering why i picked this race at the start of the year or last year um which had got kind of lost in a, the last few months again of things of, of other things happening so i think arriving here was a huge like and being lucky that it is such an amazing community kind of went no this is going to be you know i'm really grateful for being here um do i feel under pressure um yeah, I think, so. and this is coming out after the race, so it's easy to say that. I mean, yes, the whole my whole family is here, and um, I'm really excited that my little nieces and nephews are going to be here, and hopefully, well, hopefully they don't get too bored and hanging around waiting, and that I'll be able to give them. Put them some, on the Ironman tracker. You'll I'll be on be able Facebook. To, watch yeah, for a while that's it. Reason. I'll be able to give them high fives on the on the run and that sort of thing is cool. Um, yeah do I feel feel pressure yeah my form's not been great and so that's nervous that's nerve-wracking like again can you deliver a good a good race is kind of what I want to do um
0: where's your head at in terms of your mindset are you backing yourself for this race in terms of a good performance whether that's at the top step of the podium or crossing the finish line in a time that you'll be happy with and we don't is, know
1: what will happen yeah, on the day of yeah, the weather right, or yeah. anything. And, and this is great because times I mean, are irrelevant. Yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah, it's funny. Everyone asks, like, what time are you going for? Like, but it's irrelevant. It's oh, irrelevant, really, for us. Um, uh, in all honestly no, I'm not I'm not backing myself at all. Um, am I working hard? And, and that's not, I'm not writing myself off either. It's just a, I'm going through a different process mentally to get myself into this race and probably going along those lines of, this is the grateful, you know, you're grateful for being here. It's an amazing race. You've heard so much about it. Don't miss that opportunity to experience it and soak it all in with things that have happened. Um, and so I think and it's just kind of going, like you said, things don't disappear. I've had years of training and and that's the thing. And you kind of, yep. Yeah, hopefully things all click into place. Um Am I in the form I would like to be coming into this race with having it as that big goal? No, not at all. But it is what it is. And I'm still here and I'm still going to line up. So that's not... I'm not trying to use it as an excuse. Um, it's just I'm not. Would I like to be in the form I was in April? Yes, I'm not. That's... And my coach says, you've got to let go of April. Yeah. I was just about to say, you've got to let go of April. Yeah. This is, this this is, is September new, and this a is different, race different. Race exactly. different. Exactly. And it's a different time. race. So they're all the things i'm kind of and kind of working on am i getting excited to race now yes definitely who knows what will happen but that's the same you can have your best lead up of training into a race and things still don't go your way you can have not your best or an average lead up and you have an amazing day and you know this course is so tough um you've obviously got lucy racing she's kind of queen of 10 and she knows it like the back of her hand so she's always going to be whatever form anyone is in she's going to be tough to beat on this mm-hmm. course but i think and i think there's a good handful of five or six women all of us that we could all be winning it and we could all be fifth or sixth kind of thing there is and i think that shows testament to to maybe lucy and and nikki and the, the women that have raced here before and how they've highlighted this race I think it shows testament to the community and and the team here in Wales for how they've shown how good this race and, and, you know, and the age group athletes racing that I think this year is probably one of the strongest women's field that they've seen at this race. I think, yeah, it's it's very very strong. I was looking back a few years at the results and there was three women that raced and finished or finished. There was three women that raced and now you've got, you know, the winner could be six or you know any one of the six or seven that are racing
0: yeah we have a really strong fee i think we've 29 male pros and 11 females yeah
1: so you know it's it's pretty exciting from Mm. that point of view
0: if you got a slot to kona for 2020 (laughs) would you take take it it. that doesn't mean you'd have to win here or you know something like if you didn't win yeah and and the the person didn't want to go and it rolled down to you would you take the slot if you got it
1: um so another reason i chose this race was i really didn't expect to qualify for kona this year um and so i th- thought this was a good good timing if i if on sunday i got the slot i think the way the qualification system is nowadays you have to take it because you just it's not that you can accumulate points no you have year. to win to it's get us a one, down, yeah, yeah it's one slot or gone kind of thing so if you turn it down um and then expecting that you might get a chance later on in the year when you've maybe decided further I think you, if there's an, a half an inkling that you want to be in Kona I think you have to take it so yeah I would I would take it yeah
0: for somebody who is maybe racing their very first race in Wales or has, is you know maybe looking to 2020 because yeah. um, the season kind of ends here in Europe uh, over the coming weeks I think Barcelona in October is one of the latest uh, races in Europe and then all the attention goes back down to the Southern Hemisphere what would you say to somebody who's racing or looking to chase a big goal in 2020? First Ironman race.
1: Well, I think for those people racing here for the first time at the weekend, although obviously it's absolutely the, the next but time, I think for whoever's thinking about doing a, a full distance and an Ironman for the first time, I think um, I, I'm going to go to the end of the race. Make the most of that finish line because you'll always only get one chance to go down that finish chute for the first time. But I think over the whole day it's more about an enjoyment and smiling and looking up where you are and looking up at what why you know, what made you sign up in the first place and remembering that. Remembering your tribe, your team and and everyone you're doing it for and just having a real enjoyment of a day. And so, you know, stand when you're standing on the start line, looking out at that the beach or the ocean or the lake, wherever it is you might be doing your race and just that, you know, deep breath and smiling inside and out and going, yeah, I, I get to do this with 2000 other people and we've all chosen to do this, um, you know, and even on the bike course. And I'm one that I'm going to choose races that are in amazing locations. I don't want flat, fast, freeway riding. I want something that's iconic. I want something that's special means something. and that means something. And so I would I always would pick those races and just go, you know, yeah, just look up when you're racing and 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 appreciate where you are and what you're doing and then once you get onto the run it's using that using the crowd and drawing off their energy and 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 I would say smile because the pain disappears it, it's it's <laughs> well it's it's, it's cra- it is weird like you will go through dark patches you go through up and down it's, it's a long, long day. day you're going to go through every emotion but actually if you've when you are in a dark patch whilst believing it does come to an end even though it might not feel it at the time if you smile, it actually does, the endorphins naturally improve your energy and your feeling. So by forcing yourself to smile when it's when you're in those dark places, and I know that and this is going to come back to hurt me on the run now on the, on the weekend because Joanne's going to be you should be smiling. And I'm going to be like, fuck off. You'll on. be running down, <laughs> you'll be running
0: down Picton Terrace or whatever it is at the top of the finish line. I'll be like, Laura, you're smiling. I'll be
1: like, yeah, showing the, showing the two fingers. Um, yeah, but I think it's, it's that just coming in to have that enjoyment and experience and stuff like that. So
0: what's next for Laura after triathlon? Oh, after, after tri- triathlon. Wow. You can do a little bit of commenta- commentating uh-huh, and commentary yeah. and enjoy yes.
1: it. I do enjoy that. Um, I would love to still be involved in the sport in whatever way that is. Um, I think the power of sport is so incredible, whether that's uh, health issues, whether that's uh, disabilities, even just through age groupers and professionals. I think the benefits and the community and the gains that you get from sport in helping people is so amazing and I love that aspect of it and again whether that's getting kids into sport or whether getting adults to do their first 5k walk or run you know it doesn't even need to be 5k it's getting people to be out and about so from that perspective I'd love to do still be involved in some way Um I enjoy the event side and the the commentating and things like that and um, and done some of that for the sort of the live coverage on some events and I also would love to be, you know, the. from my own experiences as an athlete, I would love to be on the other side with brands or companies that are managing athletes and helping them and set do that set it up properly and professionally to give the athletes the real support of what they need in the sport. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to jump in and say I'm not saying that my the companies I've worked with don't do that. I have some great some great companies I work with and I'm very grateful for that. But there's other aspects and elements of the sport that I think we do we do miss.
0: Well there's I suppose there's a lot of professional athletes that come into the sport having been good athletes, but they don't have a clue how to go about getting a sponsor or a partner or yeah. how do they even word it to ask somebody to become a partner to them. Um, you know, so there is a whole...
1: Yeah, you know, and what can, and, um, and also, you know, what they can give back to the absolutely. brand and the sponsor. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of people do think, you know, that, and again, sweeping statement, but you... Turn pro and suddenly all these sponsors are gonna be falling at your feet and offering you money and well look at our and winner stuff, of the Ironman seventy point three last work.
0: weekend he didn't even have a bike sponsor yeah
1: the world champs you yeah, know exactly. the guy who won yeah. seventy
0: point three world championships yeah road road bike and did yeah. not have a bike sponsor yeah. so so yeah you know. Um, I'm going to finish up in a minute because I see now that we're getting nearly to the hour so uh, people will be uh, finishing up with their run or their commute somewhere today. Um, I'm going to ask you, who has been the biggest influence in your life?
1: Who? wow. Um, yeah, where do you start loads of people? I mean, I think... I will say one of... I mean, my whole family, but I think probably my sister Naomi... Um, she played netball to a high level when she was younger and I think probably if I hadn't seen her doing netball to an elite standard or sport to elite standard, um, I think it probably would have... And, and I also followed, she did athletics and I kind of followed along and tagged along with her to the track and stuff when I was younger. So um, I think from a sporting perspective, we just kept that probably. Probably she had a big influence at the start when I was younger.
0: And who is the biggest influence now in your sport who's the who's the (sighs) the person who you couldn't do this without or the people the people is it your family
1: Uh, yeah family and friends family and friends who and wherever they are in in the world i think that um you know family obviously i think we we've all got closer as we got older and you kind of learn to appreciate them more but you know they're great that they will and that was an, an you know a reason for coming and doing a race in the uk so that they even though it's not the easiest to get to for them, but it's still a long drive. But, when um, was the last time they saw you, met ne- uh, All of them together. As uh, Yeah. So all of them together as a family, 2013 London. That's years ago. Yeah. So they've been, so mum and dad have been to Roth, they've been to Kona. Um, my sisters all came to Rome a couple of years ago, which was fantastic. That was like a real cool sister weekend. Uh, Anna, my other yeah. sister, was in Madrid last year. And so they've kind of been, but when were they all last together was uh, London ITU Age Group World Champs oh, wow. in 2013. So I am expecting there to be big banners um, on the finish I, line I from I your think, family. I think, but I don't know, there will be t-shirts. They'll oh, have wow. t-shirts. Okay. So I can imagine they'll have t-shirts, I think. Um, they'll obviously, the little kids have the will cowbells. have the cowbells. Yeah, because I mean, the, obviously, yeah, the two youngest ones um haven't seen, haven't seen me. They've seen me on the telly so to speak on facebook or whatever but not race in person so yeah
0: are you excited for sunday
1: yeah i am getting high now yeah
0: i can feel it i I can feel how the energy has changed since i came in you're you're you're, you're lit up and you're you're really you'd look like you're ready to
1: fight yeah i think i'm i think that's the word yeah I think I
0: that's it well Laura thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast it's been a privilege and a pleasure to be in your company and I think we could have kept on talking for <laughs> about sorry. another hour at least <laughs> uh, not at all it's been absolutely fantastic and best of luck on Sunday thank you I'm looking forward to calling you down the finish line in Wales it is one of the best finish lines in the world so take some of your own advice and smile and enjoy that finish line on Sunday and for all of the listeners as always thank you so much for uh, listening into the show if you get a chance you might give us an old review on Apple Podcasts Try Talking Sport Apple Podcasts or on the Facebook page and if you want to send us any feedback on the interview you can send it via www.trytalkingsport.com until the next time thanks for listening